0: fight song is still blaring guess what that means you survived the first weekend of march madness just like the houston cougars did this is lance edwards alongside my man joey wyatt What's up, one Lucy? of the biggest cougar fans i know in the city of athletes it's time to recap march madness houston hollow style and discuss some of the area's prep spring sports my
1: brackets completely busted bro uh, mine is two for the most part. I do believe my final four still intact, but Come everything on. in between—how everything but- in between—is a little silly okay. right now. Still intact. I didn't say it was going to remain intact, but as of right now, I do <laughs> believe it is. Let me pull it up here.
0: Any advice that I gave y'all last week about just going with the chalk? well it was just completely dumb advice i would never listen to me ever again on any kind of advice when it comes to sports betting or maybe just (laughs) pools with your family and your friends or maybe people around the office because only seven out of the top 16 seeds advanced to the sweet 16
1: yeah man it's absolutely wild the number of upsets that there have been over the first couple of days is just unheard of i've seen People using the COVID, no practice excuse. They missed last season, blah, 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 man. But there's just been some great basketball. And yes, my final four is still intact. I got Creighton for the upset over the Zags. I got Creighton, Michigan, Baylor, and Houston in my final four. Creighton in the Final Four. Creighton in the Final Four. It's just
0: completely blasphemous, but who knows? Maybe next week around this time, we'll be discussing how brilliant you are putting Creighton into the Final Four. I don't know, man. We'll see what happens. Zags, Zags look like the pretty strong contender out there. Tell you what, Michigan had a heck of a game against LSU on Monday night, just bringing the defense late in the game and coming out with that victory. And then Baylor, of course, just doing their Baylor thing. The biggest upset pretty much was a number two seed going down to Oral Roberts, and that would be the Big Ten's Ohio State. The Big Ten just did not show up in this tournament. If you also consider Sister G. And the
1: Illinois Chicago Ramblers. How many teams they got left? Three out of the nine that made it, I believe. Correct. Three out of the nine that made it. Oral Roberts not only beat Ohio State, but they also beat Florida last night. And what a Cinderella story, man. And you know, this is why people love watching March Madness, these kind of games and these kind of upsets to see these kids that will probably never put a jersey on again, pull off these kind of wins in March, man. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, a lot of
0: these guys might end up getting some kind of European contract and playing overseas for a few years and then coming back and they too will become college coaches and they will lead the teams like oral roberts or ohio right or how about this one oregon state oregon state was terrible in the pac 12 and now they're in the sweet 16 so and they got they had to beat who i think's the number one pick in the draft man they
1: beat cade cunningham they did man they just Played their tails off. USC also beat Kansas. Oregon beat I had that one in my bracket,
0: though. Yeah. Because birds don't wear shoes.
1: Yeah, you're right. I've got USC winning on mine, too. So Still considered an upset.
0: The biggest joke I had so far over the social media in the past 24 hours since the first round ended was not only does the football team now lose by five touchdowns at Kansas, but so does the basketball team losing by 34 to the USC Trojans. I know
1: you love to see that, Lance. I was thinking about you while I was watching that game. Yeah, man.
0: I mean, I had to have some kind of positive reinforcement that life will go on uh, after the University of Missouri. My alma mater choked. And I say choked. I mean the coaching staff choked, but I don't have to get into that to bore you. What you do probably want to hear about is guts and effort. And the man of the weekend, as far as I'm concerned,
1: is... Dejan Jarreau. Yeah, man, he turned himself into a Houston legend uh, permanently, probably forever, no matter what happens the rest of this tournament. Uh, So in the first game against Cleveland State, he took a charge in the first like 30 seconds of the game and went down with a hit pointer, went back into the locker room, threw his shoes, threw his water bottle, so you could tell it was probably worse than we all hoped it would be. I know my heart sank in that moment because I don't think we can win this tournament without him. He did not come back out in the second half. We still ended up beating Cleveland State by 31 points, went on an absolute offensive tear, 40% from three, 80% from the line, five players in double digits, two more with nine points. So almost, but let's face it, you were supposed
0: to beat Cleveland State whether, you were supposed whether three guys were out or one guy got injured.
1: But No, most definitely. Their offense came alive in the second half, and then we had this game against Rutgers, um, and it was just absolutely incredible. Dejan Giroux. Hit uh, hip pointer is a three- to five-week injury, typically. And he absolutely should not have been on the court, but he just not, would not take no for an answer. And you could tell he was in pain, man. His mom was in the stands crying. Uh, every time he got hit, he took a lot of shots, too, in that game. He ended up on the floor quite a few times. No, yeah, well, he
0: put himself in that position because all I have to say is for a man that could barely even walk and every time he moved down the court without the ball in his hands, he had his hand on that hip because of the pain, and he's over there diving for loose balls, jumping up in the air and getting plowed to the ground, landing on that same hip multiple times in the second half of that game on offensive and defensive rebounding. I mean, like you said, he reminded me of that guy that used to play it at Purdue. His name was Brian Cardinal. They called him the janitor. And basically, right. Jarreau's kind of like the janitor. He's the gritty guy getting it done. But also has, you know, the best handles and the best passing skills on the team as well. So just good to see him. Good to see Univh pull out, you know, a nail-biter against Rutgers. Sometimes when you're trying to make a championship or a Final Four run in any sport, you got to have a nail-biter. you got to have a little bit of controversy. We thought Memphis was enough in the AAC tournament championship. But tell you what, that Rutgers game might prove to be not costly, but very...
1: A very big pinpoint bullet point in the Cougs run. You know, man, you need this kind of win. I think in the tournament, they have now won nine in a row going back to the regular season. And I think they needed this to come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, They've been absolutely, absolutely steamrolling people. And I think they needed this 14 to two run to end the game to come back and win. Uh, probably for their confidence and to bring them back down to earth a little bit. They did go on a 14-2 to run after being down by 10 with like four minutes left in the game. Uh, so maybe this will, like I said, bring them back down to earth. Uh, they'll hit the drawing board. Coach Sampson will put some life into them. Dejan Jarrell will have some time to rest. And we've got to figure out how to shoot the ball before we play Syracuse on Saturday night because they are dropping about 75 points per game, like you said.
0: Yeah, I mean, Syracuse is a tough draw. Um, it, it, it's so interesting how the ACC received so many bids. It's interesting how Syracuse even got in, but then when they got in, they made the most of it, and they're absolutely shooting lights out. It's a great story. Buddy Bayheim's father, of course, is the coach, legendary. I think he's the only coach ever to coach in, I believe, six decades, six different decades Chris. in the NCAA tournament, 1970s all the way now to the 2020s. So it's cool to see a father-son storyline like that, Um, but it's also going to give that national media a little bit of attention to that only East Coast team that even made the Sweet 16 in Syracuse, New York.
1: Yeah, and, you know, there was controversy coming into the tournament about whether they should have made it, especially as the 11th seed or not. And, you know, they're back to befuddling teams in March. Uh, they're tall. They're long, especially on defense. So it's going to be interesting to see how healthy Dejan Giroux can get because we're going to need him uh, on defense against these long, tall, fast shooters. Buddy Beheim, man, he's just been going ridiculous. And I cannot wait for this game. I'm super pumped. So the main thing that we can look forward to in the Sweet 16 round for the Cougars is
0: not only that Syracuse is beatable, especially on the boards and inside with their toughness, is that if the U of H wins, they're either going to play an 8 seed or a 12 seed in the Elite Eight. Yeah, man. And that's Loyola why have- Chicago or, uh, sorry, Oregon State, of course, Illinois, Chicago knocked off the fighting Illini in kind of a, Oh man, my little brother wanted to beat me up in the backyard type game on, uh, I believe that was on Sunday.
1: Yeah, it was. And you know, when it comes to those two, two teams, Loyola and Iowa, uh, I don't think seeding matters. That number in front of their name does not matter, man. The way they have been playing, I honestly thought Loyola was seated way too low. They deserve to be much higher. And Illinois was the uh, victim of that seeding. Agreed. Uh, I think.
0: The tournament seeding does matter in the fact that sometimes some conferences get way too much pool. You know, I I was so upset
1: that Clemson was a dead gum seven seed, and then Rutgers came out, got spanked the job them. done, spanked them. And you did have Rutgers beating our boys in your bracket, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Beating so, who? Beating U of H.
0: No, I have U of H in elite eight. Okay, all right. I had U of H. No, I definitely had U of H losing to Illinois. I thought Illinois was just hot, too hot to trot. Yeah. Two top ten picks in their lineup. I mean, I don't know. I just I just, I just felt like Illinois was going to make it, and they put on a show in the Big Ten tournament, and then <laughs> they got beat by Farva. Yeah, <laughs> Adam man. Krutwig from Loyola Chicago.
1: And let's face it, so Rutgers came into this game, and from the opening tip-off, they just had the right game plan. They were playing hard and fast on defense. U of H is almost dead last in the country in offensive pace. And the defense that Rutgers was running was forcing the Cougs to push the pace, to push the ball down the court. And I feel like they forced way too many shots, way too many bad layups, way too many bad drives because of it. There was just absolutely no ball movement. And when there was Rutgers, they were just ball hawks. And uh, I, I don't think, Houston expected it. I didn't expect it. And we just had pressure in our face all day long. Uh, so I do believe, you know, Jim Beheim isn't silly. He's going to watch that tape, and he was go- he's going to say, this is how we beat these guys. And I think he's going to come out with a similar game plan because we did only shoot 33% from three, and this was the big one. Down the stretch, they missed six free throws in the last three minutes of the game. We shot 60% from the free throw line, and we're going to have to clean all that up to beat this Syracuse team. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting chapter in Kelvin Sampson's uh,
0: career storybook if he can get these guys to buy into passing through and chopping up the zone and not dribbling into those two three zone uh, tendencies. You know, you cannot dribble through five defenders. You got to attack the baselines, you got to get the ball at the top of the paint, and you got to work your way inside and out. Hopefully, the Cougs don't settle for the three point shot because that's where <laughs> on the other end. The orange can come back and bite you in the butt. And I'll tell you what, I bet you don't realize this. What's that? There's going to be two Girouds playing against each other in the game. I did not know that. It's one of the sharpshooters. <laughs> it might be Giraud. I don't know. I don't actually know how to pronounce his name, but it is G-I-R-O-U-D. Jiro. They have a Giroud. The Kooks have a Jiro. It's Giroud versus Giroud. Slicing and Dyson versus
1: three-point times. Yeah, man, it's going to be a tough matchup. Syracuse has shooters. We do have sharp shooters, but they were not hitting the other night at all. You know, Quentin Grimes came through with a couple of really big shots towards the end of the game that helped us go on that 14-2 run. But Marcus Sasser, our second-best shooter, he was 0-5 for from three. He just did not have a great night passing the ball at all. Neither did Quentin Grimes. Like I said, it was all a product of that defense. And shout-out to Rutgers for just coming through with the perfect game plan to beat the Cougs. And I do think Syracuse is going to copy and paste that. So hopefully Kelvin Sampson has something in his uh, bag of tricks because we're going to need it. Uh, Going into this Syracuse and Houston game, these two teams on the season match up very well. Points per game, Syracuse 76, Houston 77. Points against, Syracuse 67, Houston 58. Field goal percentage, Syracuse 44.7, Houston 44.3. Rebounds per game, Syracuse 36, Houston 40.9. Assists per game, Syracuse 15 to Houston's 14. Blocks 5 to Houston's 5. Steals 8 to Houston's 8. So these two teams match up very closely. We all know that March is a different animal, but I do think it's going to be a great game.
0: Yeah, the ultimate argument, though, Joey, where it comes down to it is... And I just realized that only one ACC – oh, wait, Florida State's in there too, so two ACC teams made the Sweet 16 as well. Look, Syracuse had to play the Florida State's, the North Carolinas. You know, Duke was on a down year, the Georgia Tech's of the world, right? And U of H was playing East Carolina, (laughs) you know, most of the time. Um, Tulsa, not very good. And then even Wichita State struggled at the beginning of the season, so it's one of those things where your competitive level. Look, the stats are going to kind of be similar anyway. I'm on. It's it's the first team to get the 65, pretty much in most of these basketball games, NCAA tournament, and it's also the team that's going to crash the boards the most. And I think that's the key rebound. You said Houston had to edge by about four rebounds or so total. I like to look at offensive rebounds because I mean ultimately that's what won the game, Traymond Mark, with that offensive putback. Yeah, man, that was at awesome. the end was of that so Rutgers right, man. game.
1: I was shaking for like two hours after that game, dude. I cannot believe we won. I mean, that was, a, that, was
0: that was an incredible putback, the tip-in. Did he make the free throw or did he not complete
1: He made free? it. He, so made, he, made, the he made the free throw. He made for the, the three and point one, play. and that tied the game, I believe. Yeah. Tied so, the game at 60.
0: Offensive rebounds are a huge statistic, especially when you're trying to get those hustle points, and especially if Syracuse is going to sit back in a zone and U of H is going to jack up shots. Listen to these stats, man. In the Cougars, two wins right against Cleveland State, 16 offensive rebounds. And against Rutgers, 16 offensive rebounds, so very consistent crash on the boards. Against West Virginia, Syracuse got out-rebounded 41-29 to and gave up 19 offensive boards, all right? In their first round matchup against San Diego State, they actually out-rebounded the Aztecs by one, 34-33, but they gave up 15 offensive rebounds in that matchup, too. So Syracuse has the tendency, according to the recent trend so far in the tournament, to give up those hustle plays, to give up those extra opportunities when their defense is on the court. And I tell you what, when, I, when, the, when the brackets came out, man, I really, really thought the Michigan-Bama-Texas-Florida uh, State bracket was all about just getting after it on defense and having a few playmakers that show up in a big spot in that region. And when I looked at the original region with Illinois, right, Houston, Oklahoma State, right, I was thinking, West Virginia, it's all about grittiness and the guys who get after it on the glass. Bob Huggins-type basketball. And it just so happens that, you know, U of H is the only team that survived out of the
1: four top gritty seeds in that region. You know, and the three games they lost on the season, they were out-rebounded in all three of those games. So there's... Something, they have to win the battle of the boards. They are going to have the disadvantage when it comes to length and height in this game. So they just have to play the game they've played all season. Yeah, we're smaller than you, but we play harder. We play stronger, and we're coming.
0: Real cool little tidbit right here that we're going to throw in. Dejan Giroux, you said he had 7,000 Instagram followers before the tournament. And as of today, he has over 20,000 followers. So just shows you how popular this event is capping off spring break for a lot of our prep athletes and high school kids and even elementary school kids in the area to go to triple your instagram followers after everybody learned who you were after giving the guttiest performance of your life on cbs or tbs or tnt or whatever it
1: was and you know i've flipped on bleacher report espn and his performance has been all over both of those so you know 98% of the people watching this tournament probably never heard of him before, and he is now a household name, and I'm proud that he's a Houston Cougar. Uh, I just hope he gets as healthy as possible for this game Saturday. Shoot him up, guys. We need him. Yeah, ultimately,
0: you know, we're pulling for the Cougs. You know, we want to see our Houston team. We want to see the City of Athletes prevail. Um, We might get that Houston-Baylor matchup in the Final Four, and then obviously the winner of that is probably going to play Gonzaga. You can give Michigan or Alabama maybe an outside chance of getting in. Um, I think Gonzaga is ultimately going to be there, and I think America is going to get what they've
1: wanted for the past two seasons, and that is Gonzaga versus Baylor. I do believe you're right. Uh, Ultimately, you know, my heart wants to say U of H has a chance when it comes down to the final four and to beat one of these big powerhouses. That's what we want to see here in Houston. But the way, after watching Gonzaga, especially over the last two days, I didn't watch most of them over the season. I didn't watch most of their games. I caught a couple of them. But right now, going in to next week, they just look absolutely unstoppable. And I do think Baylor's the only team that has a chance of beating them, but I still don't think they'll be able to keep up, man. So the Zags are just absolutely incredible in all aspects of the game. Crazy stats, crazy things you've heard all weekend and seen all weekend long.
0: But the wildest one of all. Gonzaga shot 49% from the field, all right, in their last game against Oklahoma. And that was their worst shooting performance of the season. That's absolutely incredible. And they won by
1: 16 points. Yeah, it's it's crazy. (laughs) I was watching that game, and I was so happy for these kids. But uh, I sat back for a second, and I was like, oh, wait, we might have to play them. Uh Uh-oh, I'm not very happy about this anymore. Those guys are just so good, man. Length, defense, shooters speed strength they're just they outmatch everybody they play against
0: all right so again we are the houston hollow podcast we've been at this for about three weeks now uh we want to remind you to start reaching out to us i think we're going to dedicate our thursdays joey and i are going to try to get out in the community and find athletes and coaches and teams that are just making special runs uh of course right now it's baseball and softball season track stars. We're not going to forget about you. And of course, it is the high school soccer playoffs in Texas UIL as well. So we're going to try to find you out there, Uh, maybe some swimmers and divers as well. And you can reach out to us, coaches, if you're listening to us by just sending us a link to your max Preps page or an invite to come hang out with you at lunch or maybe in seventh period. And we can sit down and do a quick little podcast like we're doing right here. Takes us 15, 20 minutes to set up and it'll just be a 15- to 30-minute little session like we do, a little quick little interview. We'll have fun. We won't get too deep into all your secrets that lead you to a state championship. (laughs) But we're going to start reaching out to you. So we need your help in the community as well. If you listen to us regularly, and we know there's a few dozen of y'all that do, and we appreciate and love every single one of you, start sending our link, especially this one, and say, hey, listen to the end of that podcast, because they want to start interviewing kids and coaches in the community. And I'm just going to let you know that the – Protocol for us is to go through administrators, athletic directors, and head coaches. You know, we might reach out to a kid or two on Twitter, but ultimately, we're going to go through the coaches first. So we're going to do it the right way, at Holla Houston on Twitter, Houston Holla, H-O-L-L-A on Facebook, and last but not least, email us, anybody who's doing great things, Houston Holla Sports at Gmail. Dot com.
1: Yeah, and we've had quite a few emails come in already. So, you know, even if it's not a sport that's in season right now, don't be scared to email us, and we will keep them in mind. We'll keep them on the books. And we've had quite a few emails and calls and requests about football players during football season, and we love that. Keep them coming, and we are going to get to those as this soon summertime. as football season starts. Well, yeah.
0: actually, we're, we'll get to those, Joey, uh, as soon as summer hits because, you know, as soon as school yeah. lets out and June 1st hits, guess what? In our mind, that is football season, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know we've promised you guys some interviews, and we've got some football interviews lined up, and we're going to be bringing those to you in the summer. Right now, we need some in season sports guys. So get back to us with those, please, so we can get these interviews out to you as quickly as possible.
0: All right, man. I got to give my shout outs like we do, man. Here we go. Looking at some of the rankings, and we got some baseball squads out there. One right here in our backyard in Katy, Tompkins Falcons, dude. They're like 17 and one. Oh, yeah. They're crushing it right now. So we've been trying to line up a little interview with them. Maybe we'll get that done this week. We'll see. Uh, they're ranked third in the state in Class 6A. The Woodlands tearing it up. Ranked eighth in the state in Sci Fair is pretty solid as well. That's our 6A squads doing well. Our 5A squads, Kingwood Park and Friendswood. So tell you what, we know there's a lot more than just those few schools we named, but we're keeping our eye on you. We have you on our radar. And we can't wait to sit down and meet some of y'all, find out what your next level, your next step is in your scholar-athlete careers. Got to give one shout-out to a man in the class of 2022. Have you heard of Bridgeland High School? I have not. So it's like one of those newer high schools in Sci-Fair ISD. It's up there on 99, past 529. Brand new, beautiful facility, man. Only been open for like two or three years. They got a kid who's a junior. His name's Murphy Brooks. All right. According to his perfect game profile, he's a TCU commit to the class of 2022. There we go, Frogs. Dude, he threw a no-hitter last week against Montgomery, who Montgomery's always had a pretty decent baseball program. Yeah, there's nothing else to do out there. Because I can remember. (laughs) Dude, a no-hitter with 11 Ks. Yeah, that's incredible, man. Shout out. These are seven-inning games. Murphy Brooks, man. Shout out to Murphy Brooks. We'd love to hear from you, Murph. So, Love that. And what we'll do is get on there and tag him. Maybe he sounds like he is going to be a future member of the Houston Hollow podcast. We will get him on this show. We will. And it's going to happen, guys. All right. That's going to wrap it up today, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, I know you don't need to get out the whiteout, man. Everybody's got the same embarrassing bracket as everybody else. You don't need to, like, you know, mark off or erase some of the teams that you penciled in. You don't need to, like, show and try to say, ooh, I actually had Oregon State in the Sweet 16 or (laughs) UCLA, you know,
1: you know what I would like, guys, for some of our listeners, take a picture or a screenshot of your bracket and post it on our page. I'd love to compare our brackets, you know, and like Lance said, do not be ashamed because none of them look pretty right now.
0: Yeah, dude, my bracket has more red than the Cougars entire alumni (laughs) section. (laughs) So, all right. Hey, keep it trill. Love hearing from y'all. Love to get the feedback and we can't wait for the rest of the madness sweet 16 tips off this weekend
1: hugs and high fives Houston be kind to each other love each other that's what Houston's all about holla guys holla Houston